Welcome to the Gridiron Breakdown, the football show for the fans, by the fans, where we discuss the X's and O's of each week's premier college and NFL games. Finally, a podcast that answers the question, are we really ready for some football? Your hosts are Lindsay. Pete Carroll looks like the bad guy in a Pixar movie. (laughs) (laughs) Brian. We're talking about the Dallas flipping Cowboys. I cannot. There will never be a Dallas Cowboy jersey in my house. Alan. I'm done with Pitt. I will never pick them to win another game in gridiron breakdown history. I don't care if they're playing the Alabama school for the deaf and blind. I will never pick them. <laughs> they embarrass me. Josh. There will be more cheeseburgers carried into Boston than there will be carries for the Chase Esmond or the James Connor. <laughs> and Jay. It's your fault, Texas. It's all your fault. Visit thegridironbreakdown.com where you will find links to everywhere the show is featured. Now let's get to the breakdown. It's time for the Gridiron Breakdown. I'm Brian. I'm Alan. And I'm Josh. I'm Jay and we are here Lindsay-less tonight. We send you our best lens. She's got a packed week, so she sent in picks though. So we'll get her thoughts in here as we are ready to talk about week two of college football and the kickoff week of the historic 17 game NFL season right here for you. Well, we could talk a little bit about week one recap and the best way I know how to sum it up is it was a slew of FCS and G five murder on a bunch of P five teams. Not sure the PAC 12 North, um, and some of the Big 12 and most of the ACC got the notice that the season was starting, but uh, did not go well uh, for a lot of those teams. Uh, I happen to be, you know, sporting the gear of one of those uh, murder sites. Hello, Duke. Hello, Chris Reynolds. You are a star. Uh, but, yeah, um, you know, other than that, I mean, Georgia has an awesome defense and a boring offense. Rinse, repeat, and Alabama Clemson vaporized another opponent. That. So, I mean, who, who didn't see that coming? So, other than that, uh, the only thing I, I can really say about week one is I've never seen so many preseason Heisman trophies completely evaporate in front of my eyes uh, <laughs> at once. Uh, Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler, uh, Derek King. Uh, boy, it was nice when you guys thought you were going to win a trophy. Uh, maybe you will again, but whew, it uh, was not good starts. Alan. Hey, Derek King was right. Starts. It wasn't even close. Alan, thoughts on week one real quick. Anything that stood out to you, man? Well, first of all, uh, I would like to congratulate the Virginia Tech Hopies of making UNC the first jabroni. (laughs) They came through for me. Way to go, Virginia Tech. You know, there was a lot of sloppy football, a lot of unprepared teams, a lot of awful tackling. And, I mean, it just seemed like, you know, Washington or Oregon decided they really didn't want to play. Oregon kind of got lucky there. Um, guys, it was just like a lot of uninspiring football. There were very few teams ready to play and motivated to play. And that was a little surprising. You thought with fans being back in the stands, there would be some energy. Um, and we didn't see that in a lot of places. There were very few teams that took care of business the way they should have. Truth, truth. Brian, what, uh, what things, uh, befell you is, I mean, your, your Minnesota Golden Gophers hung in there with Ohio State for a while, man, before Muhammad Ibrahim, the stud went down. 
I mean, that's what I was going to say. Like, that was a, one of the better games of the weekend, just the back and forth between them. And, and the fact that the Gophers were even in the game for the last four minutes of it was amazing. Uh, the huge blow, though, to them. Uh, they were looking good. I, people were saying, you know, they're going to have a great season, and now it's kind of like up in the air because without Ibrahim, that's a huge crush to that offense, and it's going to all have to fall on Tanner Morgan now. And I don't know if he can do it. So that, that, that's really a shame. Yeah, it really, really is. We'll do this real quick as I introduce Josh here. Picks, records, updates. So Lindsay, who's not here, went seven and four last week. She's 11 and five on the year. Brian, you went eight and three, 12 and four on the year. Everybody sees on his Chiron. Allen went nine and two, 13 and three on the year. And in the lead, going 10 and one last week, 14 and two on the year. Josh, quick, your thoughts on week one of college football. You know, I usually say that I am but a conduit for the glory, but it turns out I'm just that good. Um, I, you know, I agree with Alan. There were a lot of teams that I expected to see something from, and it just it, – it wasn't there, and, and that was disappointing. And I, I do have to say, um, I thought um, I, I thought about wearing a um, – a, a, a sissy blue shirt tonight in honor of the Ed Orgeron. <laughs> oh, oh man! Great. And, and, and God bless America and the business of America is business. Here's your here's here's your um your you know I'll close with this. UCLA is selling shirts with um sissy blue shirts, and you know, God bless them. Um, there were more fans week zero at the Fresno State game than there were in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. It was not packed in the Rose Bowl for UCLA's impressive upset of, of LSU, but there were more fans, and I really think that you're going to see a lot of sissy blue shirts in the Rose Bowl. And I'll just say as someone who grew up in in, in Iowa and lived in Washington State and, and having you know a love of the Rose Bowl, seeing the Rose Bowl stadium filled, I think that's great for college football. And, and so I, I, I hope we see a lot more of that um, powder blue in Pasadena. Yeah, that was a lot of fun uh, for sure. Tons of fun games. Like I say, some surprises in there and a, a lot of teams, again, that did not get the note uh, that the season had begun, but yet it has. And uh, we're here to week two. A couple of really interesting matchups. We've got a couple of ranked on ranked teams, one of which is historic and we'll get to in just a bit. But I want to remind everybody, if you're watching live or listening later, you can always follow the show, thegridironbreakdown.com. That'll take you to all the places where the show outlets are found. We have started our own show social media with Twitter and Insta, so give us a follow. Uh, and like the post, share them with others. We appreciate the support. So enough of that stuff here. It's time to get into feature game land and Alan, you're going to lead us off this week with, um, you know, a game that a lot of people were circling early on in the season. Now we're going to see how good it really is. Number 12, the Oregon Ducks on the road to take on the number three Ohio State Buckeyes. That's your uh, Saturday, 11 a.m., 12 Eastern noon kickoff on Fox. Tell us what it's all about, man. Well, first of all, neither one of these teams really played exceedingly well in week one. I mean, Minnesota is a good team, and Minnesota gave Ohio State all they could handle. And Fresno is an okay team, and Oregon State just wasn't – I mean, Oregon just wasn't ready. So Oregon, like many teams last week, they struggled. Um, on top of that, they lost their best player in super defensive lineman Thibodeau, who's probably going to be the number one overall pick in the draft. But Oregon does have talent. Mario Cristobal 
has been recruiting like gangbusters up there. Like Oregon never has recruited. They've been consistently in the top five while he's been there. Anthony Brown is a good but not great quarterback, and C.J. Verdell is a good running back, uh, even though that offensive line had issues creating holes against uh, Fresno State, which is uh, a little concerning if you're a Ducks fan. Uh, on defense, Oregon is very fast. They have athletes on the perimeter. Uh, they run to the ball. They have a really good pass rush. Um, they're more than capable of making this a game and taking it down to the wire. Uh, you know, a few things were, were exposed in that Fresno State game, and I'll be the first to say all of us overreact to week one uh, because it's the first thing we see. Um, and some things do end up being, you know, it's like week one last year, it looked like LSU was going to be a complete disaster. Well, LSU was a complete disaster last year. <laughs> um, you know, but um, Oregon struggled to consistently get a push up front. Uh, they were really struggled to run the ball and they gave up a lot of yards on defense through the air. Uh, they were kind of bailed out by that pass rush several times on the flip side, you know, Ohio state was in real trouble uh, until Minnesota lost their star running back. That dude ran over Ohio state for three quarters. I mean, Ohio state had nothing for that running game. Uh, C.J. Stroud had a clean pocket in that game, and the O-line only gave up one tackle for loss all game and zero sacks. Uh, So they were able to give him a clean pocket and give him basically two and a half quarters to figure out, oh, I need to throw the ball to Chris Olave. Um, (laughs) You know, but he he was able to hit Chris Olave, and Garrett Wilson's a great receiver on the outside. Those are two guys that uh, the Buckeyes have that are going to give a lot of people trouble. Hmm. Um you know, Ohio State's going to have to deal with a better defensive front than they faced last week. I mean, Minnesota's a solid team, but Oregon's defensive line is SEC-ish caliber. Cristobal's trying to recruit a lot of those same type players, and he's done well plucking some players out of the South. Um, you know, I think the, th- the question's going to be is how does D.J. Stroud deal with not having a clean pocket, with having pressure? Um and that's really going to be the tail of the tape. You know, I think this game comes down to whoever actually, and this is going old school, who runs the ball better. And what that makes me do is I think back to that uh, Fiesta Bowl uh, last year where Iowa State pounded the rock for 228 yards against the Oregon defense. Uh, you know, I, I hate a West Coast team heading east for an early kick. This will be a 9 a.m. Pacific kick. Uh, Oregon's first game. Uh, with opposing fans in quite some time. I imagine the horseshoe is going to be full and be loud. Um, So I think the Ducks can make it a game for three quarters, but I think the Buckeyes pull ahead in the fourth. So give me Ohio State 38, Oregon 28. All right, Allen's got Ohio State. Brian, what do you say? I also have Ohio State. Um, I didn't pick any scores, though, but I think Ohio State's going to win this game. It's at home. Uh, I think Stroud really hit his stride in the second half of that game against the Gophers. I think we're going to see more of that and less of what we saw in the first two quarters of that first game. So give me Ohio State. All right, Josh, what do you say? Alan and I see this one almost identically. Super not impressed with the way Oregon started the season. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau is listed as day-to-day. We don't know if he's going to make a go of it and, and how effective he can be if he does. I am concerned, you know, Alan was mentioning this on, on the flip. I'm concerned with how many rushing yards the Buckeyes gave up to the Minnesota. But um, 
I'm going to go with the Buckeyes at home, 38-27. All right, and it's four for four. Lindsey likes Ohio State as well. So uh seems to be the the way the going rate of it, and I uh, totally understand why we're all picking it that way. So, Josh, we come over to you now for our next featured game. It's the Cyhawk Trophy. Number 10, Iowa on the road to take on number nine, Iowa State. The first time both teams ranked in the top 10 ever in the history of this rivalry. That one's your Saturday, 3.30 Central, 4.30 p.m. ABC Game of the Week. Josh, uh, this one I know is near and dear to your heart because you are born and raised, uh, born and bred at least somewhat of Iowa. So tell us a little bit about the Cyhawk game this year and what we can expect. What happened to the world where we're paying attention to Iowa in a non-election year? <laughs> and also, thank God this is not an election year. <laughs> Never in the history of my life did I think the football world would turn its attention to the state of my birth. But here we are with an Iowa-Iowa State game, both in the top ten. The Cyclones actually the higher-ranked team. Stick around long enough and you may actually see it all. I want to spend a great deal of time on this. Um, and, and Alan, you know, what we all mentioned, some of the uninspired performances of week one. Oh, my God, Iowa State. Um, you know, Iowa throttled a ranked Indiana team, and, and Iowa State summoned their pre-2021 inner Chip Kelly, and for the second consecutive year opted not to show up for their opening game. The difference is this year they got away with it because they were playing uni-uni instead of the Louisiana. Now, here's an interesting little um, trivia note here. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz is 5-0 and against the Cyclones while Matt Campbell has been there. The past two games in Ames, and that's where this week's being played, have been decided by a total of four points. So what are we looking for in this one? Who's going to win? We have strength against strength when the Cyclones are on the offense and the Hawkeyes are on defense. The Brees Hall is the best running back in America. But that's not what you saw if you tuned in to watch Iowa State last week. He had 23 carries and a touchdown, but he was limited to 69 yards. Yuck. That is not good news for Cyclones fans because the defense they face this week, much stronger. The Brock Purdy is a steady, effective experienced quarterback and he had an in he had an efficient but an unspectacular outing last week now here's something to keep your eye on the probable return of all-american tight end charlie kohler who was a game time scratch last week that's going to give um offensive coordinator and play caller the tom manning and purdy another way to attack the middle of the field and potentially open up some holes for the Brees hall that were not there last week the Iowa offense is going to have its hands full dealing with perhaps the best linebacker in the country and Mike Rose, who leads a defense that is no longer merely good for Pac, or for Big 12 standards. Um, Tyler Goodson broke a long run last week against the Indiana. Got you know It helped him on the scoreboard. It helped his stat sheet. But if you take that 56-yarder away, he was averaging two and a half yards a carry. I was going to need at least one big play from Goodson this week, and he's got to be more productive on those other carries because it's not coming in the passing game. Guys, I'm sorry. Spencer Petras is not as good as you think, <laughs> and he tends to play better against lesser competition. He's a kid with a big arm, and he's a big dude, 
but he completes under 50% of his passes against top 25 defenses for his career. And that includes last week against Indiana. So he's Jeff George reincarnated is what you're saying. I mean, look, you know what? The list of guys, you know, and look, you expect, you know, water finds its level. You expect against the better teams that you're not going to have the gaudy statistics. Mm. But to see a drop-off where you go to I mean, 50% completion, that hasn't been good since – 1973 and it's terrible now so that's really a a concern for Iowa and they haven't found anyone to replace the explosive Amir Smith Marset so Petrus can't even rely on one of his receivers on the outside to you know make a play on a ball and and stretch it with yards after the catch now I don't want to go off on a rant here before I submit my pick but why in the name of Seneca Wallace is Iowa State wearing home, uni- home unis that look like the Hawkeyes practice jerseys? There will not be a hint of their school colors on their home jersey as they're opting for white helmets, black jerseys, and white pants. They should be punished for this atrocity in ways that would make Tin Pot's dictators squeamish. But they're going to get away with it because they have more talent, more experience, the home crowd behind them, Cyclones 23-19. All right, Josh has got Iowa State. Brian, who you got? I'm going to pick Iowa to win this one. Uh, I I don't know. I like their defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good good reason to pick. Allen, what do you say? You know, Iowa State has a history of screwing around in these openers. Their last four openers, um, they beat UNI by seven. They lost to Iowa by one. They lost to UL by like three or seven last year and then last week. So I don't know what it is. Matt Campbell, you got to get the memo that the season actually starts. Uh, But here's the thing. Um, They still have Brock Purdy. They still have Brees Hall. And also Ames, Iowa, for any of you people who don't know this, is like the college football Bermuda Triangle. Strange (laughs) things happen there. So give me uh, the Cyclones 27-24. All right. Well, it's uh, three on one because Lindy likes the Cyclones as well. So it's uh, it's all for the home team. So Brian going out on the limb. So Brian, he could be the goat on that one this week if that defense holds up, man. So uh, uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, should be an entertaining game, though, no doubt. Um, uh, it's always always a weird rivalry. Strange things happen in that game. So give it a peep, folks. It's uh, it's pretty good. Well, Lindsay is out this week, as I've said, and so I'm filling in her in her stead. I'm not going to be making any picks, but uh, I will be previewing Stanford USC. <clears throat> This game was a lot more interesting when I thought Stanford might show up against Kansas State. But alas, here we are. So a couple of interesting notes. And I did I did dig up a little bit of this stuff. This is USC's oldest rival, oddly enough. Stanford and USC being playing each other since 1905. Last year was the first time they didn't play since 1945, um, oddly enough. And USC has won three of the last four in L.A. against this one. But they're only 40% over the last 15 games against the Cardinal. Because Stanford's been really good. USC's been bad. Like We know that. Like If you just think about it, it makes sense. So here's what you got to know about Stanford. <laughs> Austin Jones, their running back, had you know the team's you know 
rushing yards last year. He had 550 yards, and he had a pack 12 high nine touchdowns. Also caught 21 passes. He's a good player. They got to get him uncorked this week because they got nada against uh, Kansas State last week. They've got Thomas Booker, who's not only a stud defensive end, but he's a 2020-2021 academic All-American uh, as well. And he also plays special teams as a defensive lineman, which is Wait insane. a minute, you're so- telling me that somebody at Stanford goes to class? Right, yeah, like the joke with, with Brian Kelly is that that you know there's three people on the Notre Dame schedule that go to class: his team, Navy, and Stanford. So uh, that's how it goes. And look, that guy he headlines the defense. He had 102 tackles last year. You got uh, Levani Dumani inside linebacker and safety Kendall Williamson. They're back as well, and they are the the anchors of that defense. And they played pretty good last week against K State. It got out of hand late. They were worn out for sure. Quarterback Tanner McKee came in for Jack West. Jack West threw two INTs, wasn't having a terrible game, was just turning the ball over. They put McKee in. He goes 15 <laughs> oh, to 18. He, he, was, he went 15 to 18. He was fine other than when he threw the ball to the guy in the purple. 15 to 18, 118 yards and a touchdown. So, like, he got something done. It was their only score of the game, and it wasn't garbage time. Like, it actually got him back in the game for a little bit. Stanford's defensive front is actually really good at a pass rush. All right, what they're lousy at – is controlling the ground game, and more on that in just a little bit. They got ran on last week uh, by K-State, which is what K-State likes to do. Um, and so the Cardinal D's got to vastly improve if they're going to get back in here and knock off the home team. And honestly, McKee's going to have to go bombs away to ignite this Cardinal offense because they got problems getting the run game going. Now, USC, I mean, good grief. Every time you hear about Clay Helton, what do you hear in the next breath? When's he going to get fired? Doesn't matter what he does, it's all the time. But did you know he's won 75% of his Pac-12 games? All right. He's done pretty good stuff there, and he's coming off of a, of an opening victory against a Mountain West champ, San Jose State. That's not a chump team. The fact that they gave USC a game for a little while, it's not a bad thing. The Trojans poured on 17 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. So what happens? Depth. Depth wears out from a P5 to a G5 for the most time. Not always works out, but worked out in this case. The Trojan offense – um, really doing stuff with Kidon Slovis as the quarterback. Look, he had 5,600 yards last year and almost 50 TDs. Um, he is a he is a real stud. All right, 12 passes last week to the wide receiver Drake London. All right, watch out for that dude because he is a problem. Uh, clearly, uh, you know nobody from San Jose State could cover him, and as we've talked about, K State mm, they're okay in the defensive backfield, but not great at it. Um, they've also got a couple of good running backs. They got good safety in Greg Johnson, who's definitely going to be uh, someone that that uh, Stanford needs to avoid because he had a pick six that really you know put the game out of reach late uh, last week. And another thing to note: their place kicking is absolutely solid at USC. So. If Slovis limits mistakes, and he's good at doing that, London continues his dominance like he had last week. I told you the 12 catches had 140 yards, and the defensive front continues to stuff the run game. They only give up 68 yards to San Jose State, and that matters because San Jose State can actually run the ball. Um, the Trojans also have a more balanced version of the air raid. They ran for a buck 60 last week, and they average about a buck 40 with um, OC. Uh, oh, gosh, what's his name? It just slipped my mind. Texas Tech former quarterback, Graham Harrell. Graham Harrell. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, Graham Harrell uh, calling the offense. He's added the run game in. They can run the ball. Actually, that's probably their best way to beat Stanford as much as they'll want Slovis to sling it, and he'll have his chances, but they're better off to do and play action, in my opinion, if they're going to get it done. So, all of that said, I now pitch it to you guys. Who you think is going to win Stanford-USC? Josh, we start with you. You know, I've got concerns still about the Trojans' offensive line. They still surrender two sacks, seven tackles for a loss. Um, 
they did run well. The defense was stifling. You know, you mentioned Drake London with the 12 catches for a buck 37. This concerns me. Um, Trojan receivers not named Drake London, MIA. USC gets another week to get it together before they play Utah. They'll get better this week against Stanford, 38-7 Trojans. All right, Josh likes the Trojans big. Allen, what about you? Yeah, I mean, Stanford got manhandled by K-State last week. USC is more talented and deeper than K-State at conceivably every position. So I like USC 35-17. to 17. All right, Brian, what about you? Damn you, Stanford. <laughs> uh, give me USC. They say, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Mm-mm, not happening. USC. All right, Lindsay agrees. It's Trojan across the board here uh, for sure. So that rounds up the college games, feature games for the week, but it's time to kick off the NFL, bring in the professionals, as they say. Brian, you've got our NFL featured game of the week, the Cleveland Browns on the road to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. That's your Sunday, 325 Central, 425 Eastern CBS game. Break it down for us. Tell us who's going to win. Well, here we go. The Browns are coming in. They would like nothing better than to beat Kansas City in week one. Uh, and, you know, they bring a great two-headed monster in their running attack with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. OBJ is finally back from injury. That's going to help that offense as well. They face off against a dismal Kansas City rush defense, but a solid Kansas City pass defense. Cleveland looked great offensively last year and retained pretty much everyone on that side of the ball. Uh, their problem was on the defensive end, and they've done a lot to address that in the offseason. As I mentioned in my preview of the AFC North last week, they added Jadavion Clowney and Takaris McKinley, as well as safety John Johnson II. Will that be enough to stop Kansas City's offense? Kansas City comes in after taking a major shellacking in the Super Bowl. It was so bad, they basically fired their offensive line and built a (laughs) brand new one. Now, that offensive line has looked good in the preseason, but will they be able to hold up to the high expectations when it counts? Mahomes is bolstered by some of the best pass catchers in the NFL. Tariq Hill, Hardman, and Kelsey are all big-time weapons for Mahomes, and the Browns must stop them if they want to win. On the rushing side, uh, Edwards Hilaire returns as the featured back and former Viking, and I guess you could say 49er, Jarek McKinnon and Daryl Williams are back to back him up. As mentioned above, the Kansas City defense had a hard time stop uh, stopping the run, but they played very well against the pass. Add cornerback Mike Hughes to the mix, and they look to be even better in that aspect. Now, Alan, you sent us all a very interesting note, so I look back at this. The Browns haven't won a season opener since 2004, but that's not it. They That is the only win they have ever had <laughs> in a season opener since the franchise was reborn in 1999. God. They had one tie in 2018, but otherwise wow. they're staring at a big L <laughs> since they started their seasons in 1999. Wow. No wins, just one. <laughs> I don't see much hope of that fantastic history changing this year. Give me the Chiefs 34 to 27. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Josh, what do you say? You know, I don't know what's going to be more insufferable, the actual game or the get a room hyperbole, the Jim Nance and the Tony Romo will keep on Chiefs quarterback the Patrick Mahomes. I won't come within a galaxy of watching this game. The frowns 
you're going to lose opening game again. Um, I don't have a score, but but give me the Chiefs. All right, Alan, how about you? I mean, I think this game could be entertaining. I mean, the Browns made the playoffs last year. I had to be <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. I know it's true, but it took I, me a I, second. I'm not used to it. I know. I mean, but guys, Kansas City will win this game at home. I think it'll be a high-scoring game. I like Kansas City 35-28. to 28. Very cool. Well, Lindsay says, not so fast, my friends. She believes what? in the Baker, and she is picking the Browns. So, wow. Yeah, so, so we go a little wild card well, there. So. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's time for the lightning round, and I call this first part of the lightning round. Let's test Alan's real metal here. If you listen to the <laughs> intro, you know why. Let's talk about Pitt at Tennessee, the Johnny Majors Bowl, the Matt Presto special. It's your Saturday, 11 a.m., 12 noon ESPN kickoff. Alan, you do the honors. Well, first of all, I saw that Pitt's going to have Jackie Sherrill as an honorary captain for the game. I guess since we can play players now, it's okay for Jackie (laughs) to be around. Um, Guys, do any of y'all think I'm going to pick Pitt? No, I'm not. Give me the Vols, 28 to 27. All right, he goes Vols. Josh, what about you? In a week of truly wretched games, this one is afterbirth. God, sold that here. Tennessee, 31-24. All right, Brian. I'm going Tennessee as well. I'm not going with Pitt for anything either. (laughs) Wow, you guys are all wearing that putrid orange. And Lindsay says, I'm sorry, Alan, Pitt. Uh, she likes the favorites here, so <laughs> that's how that one goes. So we'll see how that turns out. Well, the next one, we go down to the SEC for a little ACC cross action. NC State takes the Wolfpack on the road to Stark Vegas for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. That's your Saturday, 6 p.m., 7 p.m. Eastern ESPN2 game. Josh, let's start with you on that one. All right, well, first. I missed this one, so I don't have any notes. But I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna freelance this. You know, NC State looked. They were, you know, in a week where we talked about teams not ready to play. I know it was only USF, but they went down and they laid the wood to them. Um, the Wolfpack are, are trying to get to nine wins for only the second time in school history. Um, mistake looked terrible last week. They barely got the win. You know what? Give me the Wolfpack in this one. I'm going NC State on the road. Fail State. <laughs> Alan, what about you? You know, Jay, you're you're wearing the hat of the second best team in North Carolina right now. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Very NC much. State is actually the, the first. Wake Forest is the the best team because you're telling me an ACC team's going to go into SEC country and win. Maybe. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, Miss State looked great in their week one win last year, and they've looked <laughs> awful ever since. So, you know, is it just too sweet? Give me the wolf pack. <laughs> Very nice. Brian, what about you? Like Josh, I missed this one as well. So I'm calling it on the fly, and I'm just going with NC State because everyone else says they're going to win. <laughs> Oh, Lindsay likes NC State as well. So it's a Wolfpack across the board. Now, this is just the perfect time for Mike Leach to screw us all. So just, <laughs> just wait. He'll do it to you every time. Every to just, just ask Bo Pelini. Anyway, so, um, we're on now out west where we talk about the Utah Utes in the Holy War going to take on BYU. This is your 9.30 p.m. Central, 10.30 Eastern, if you're still awake, ESPN game. Pac-12 after dark action, anybody? Brian, who you got? 
I, I'm going to go with the home team here, BYU. I know they don't have their quarterback anymore and all that, but uh, you know they were pretty good last year. So why not? Let's go with BYU at home. All right, Josh. You know, the Charlie Brewer had a solid outing in his Utah debut. He'll find some success in this one. Give me the Utes, 28-20. All right, Alan. First of all, I didn't know we were allowed to say holy war on this show, so you learn something new every day. Um, guys, uh, you know, Charlie Brewer played well. We know how he played Ed Baylor. And I found an interesting stat about this game. The Utes have won nine in a row in this series and 10 out of 11. Make it 10 in a row. Give me Utah 31 to 20. Well, Kyle Whittingham is not fooling around for sure. And Lindsay buys it as well. She's drinking the red Kool-Aid with Utah and you three. So Brian, you are, uh, once again, you may be gaining some serious ground, man, or hit in reverse. Dropping to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's time to do some NFL lightning round as well. And this one is a doozy in my books. The Pittsburgh Steelers on the road to take on the Buffalo Bills. This is your Sunday, 12 noon, 1 p.m. CBS kickoff. I know I'm tuning in for this one. Brian, it's uh, it's NFL time. You got to lead us off on this. Man, Big Ben's going to be crippling in there with his old cane, hobbling <laughs> in to try and pull this piece of crap Steelers team out of the gutter. No freaking chance. Give me the Bills to just route the Steelers in this one. Ooh, all right. You like the Bills big. Alan, how about you? Um, let me ask you this. Has Pittsburgh found any of those five guys who stand in front of the quarterback who stopped the opposing guys from absolutely killing them? I don't believe they have. So give me the Bills 35 to 20. All right, Josh. I hate that I think that the Steelers are going to be good this year, and I'm tempted to take the upset. You know, something to keep in mind with Pittsburgh. You know, now Lindsay chided me in our um, – offline chat when I mentioned something baseball the Ben Roethlisberger went into last year coming off of Tommy John surgery usually when a pitcher comes off of Tommy John surgery his manager will put him on a pitch count Ben Roethlisberger came off of Tommy John surgery and they had him throw the football 600 times last year and then people <laughs> were surprised that you know his arm was looking a little bit weak by the time they got to the end of the season <laughs> I'd like to pull the upset card here. I still think Pittsburgh's got something to say about what's going to go on in the AFC, but I do think the Bills are going to get this win. I think it's going to be close, though. I'll take the Buffalo 23-20. to 20. Lindsay says y'all crazy. She's got the Steelers all over this one. So she, she's buying it. So, so here we go. Next up. Hey, that girl might look good in week one. <laughs> And you're talking about Big Ben, not Lindsay, just for the record. Yes, so yes, I want to make that incredibly this. clear. Bad girl is the Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> that's the only thing that I can say that's family friendly. We can say Holy War. I've got other nicknames for him. But, you know. All right, <laughs> next up, the Minnesota Vikings take to the road for the Cincinnati Bengals. Will it be the year of resurgence for the Bengals, or will they continue to lay down? Will the Vikings continue to disappoint? Probably all of these things are true at the same time, but who's going to win this game? Alan, who you got? You know, guys, I think this is going to be a shootout. I think both teams have the ability to stretch the field and score points. Both teams can run the ball. Uh, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook. I think it's going to be an exciting game. But what always happens in close Vikings games? Kirk Cousins turns the ball over at the most inopportune time. It's going to happen again. Give me Cincinnati 34-31. All right, Josh. 
what am I, Job? We're talking about the Vikings and the Cincinnati. How did this get on the schedule? Did Brian, did you put this in your rider? You guys are going to be hearing from my agent in the off week. The Vikings are like, Titans the Vikings fans. is a football team. The, the Vikings have, as a football team, they're a lot like the second drummer in 38 specials. And the Bengals are a fraud. But hold on loosely, kids. I'll take the Vikings 31-26. <laughs> the Vikings are also like Alex Van Halen's drumming. Too loud and incoherent for anybody to understand. Oh. Brian, who you got? I, I like how Alan said that both teams can run. No, don't Both teams can run. The Vikings do run. Mixon sometimes runs. I mean, sometimes he's great, and sometimes he's just on the field. Uh, Joe Bur- Burrow's Which coming off Which is more we can injury. say for most of the Bengal roster. My God. Exactly. Burrow's coming off a major injury. Uh, I'm sure he's going to be a little scared at times during the game. The Vikings defense is much better than it was last year. That's not saying a ton, yeah, but it right. is much better than it was last year. Um, <laughs> I, I like your take on Kirk Cousins. It's the truth. I mean, the guy can put up stats to save the world, but he can't win the game in the end. And so that's going to play into this too. I have to go with the Vikings to win this. So I think their defense is going to hold the Bengals off enough to, it's going to be a, like a big field goal game. Give me him like 13 to 10. 13 right. to 10. What is this, 1986? This is Penn State, Wisconsin? This <laughs> is two quarterbacks that can't get it done. Uh, Lindsay likes the Bengals, by the way, guys. She believes in Joe Burrow and that team. So last up on the lightning round list before we get to the real fun, the Miami Dolphins head up the East Coast to take on the New England Patriots in a battle of former Bama quarterbacks who are both being paid somewhat less than they were while in Tuscaloosa right now. <laughs> this is your Sunday. You <laughs> this is you your Sunday. That. <laughs> your Sunday, 325 Central, 425 <laughs> Eastern CBS game. Pats or Fins? Who we got? Josh. So, like I said, the Bill Belichick is going up against one of his former assistants. They each have an Alabama quarterback. Both went in the first round. So, you know, the earnings in Tuscaloosa and the NFL are probably comparable. Um, <laughs> Patriots defense is the difference in this one. Give me New England 27-16. All right. You like New England. Brian, what about you? Man, here's the thing. Bill Belichick doesn't lose to his former assistants. He just doesn't. Uh, the Saban Bowl is on. Give me the Patriots to beat the Dolphins in the Saban Bowl. I don't care if the Dolphins are favored. <laughs> the, the sponsored I, can't by... that the, I can't believe that the Dolphins are favored in Foxborough. That is Sp- insane. Sp- uh, sponsored by Acme Rat Poison. Alan, who you got? Interesting note. The New England Patriots who were missing several defenders last year, still managed to get 18 interceptions. I think they can force two into some mistakes. I think New England can run the ball well enough to and protect Mac Jones. Give me New England 24-21. All right, you three guys like New England, but Lindsay's swimming with the fish. She likes to fins in this one to go up and right, get Lindsay's the Lindsay's either going to be in so. first or out of the race next week. <laughs> Exactly what she said when she sent the picks in. So just so we know. So it was it was fun times. Well, it is a time for a very special feature. And last Jay, week I don't sure? I remember when Washington and Michigan were on the schedule. Did you pull that one? And that why? had that got pulled a long time ago. So yeah. So check your 
email, uh, as they say. So, Alan, Excuse me, t- sir, did you see Washington or Michigan play last week? Oh, well, look, I was ready for that one. You know, Washington, this is God. What the hell was that last week against Montana? So, and don't even get me started on Harbaugh and Michigan, but it's been pulled. Alan, it's your time, man. Alan, it's time for your jabroni of the week. Last week, you hit it big with Vatek over UNC. Guys, the jabroni <laughs> of the week is no stranger to the gridiron breakdown. They're due for a major letdown. Miami, you are the jabroni of the week. You struggled against a very good Alabama team. And you have a game against Michigan State next week. You will overlook the best team in the Sun Belt, which is Appalachian State. They're led by Clemson slash Duke transfer Chase Bryce, who looked really good against, you can say what you want, ECU is a good team. ECU is actually a pick them against South Carolina this week for what it's worth. Um, Very little. <laughs> App State's defense controlled that game. They only gave up nine points until the final couple of minutes where they gave up a couple of garbage touchdowns. App State's balanced on offense. Their defense is good enough. They're going to pull off a huge road win against a deflated Canes. And Manny Diaz, you can go back to being a villain on a CSI Miami episode <laughs> in the App State 27-24. Oh, oh my. Uh, if I'm I like mistaken, it. If I'm not mistaken, Miami has a pretty game opponent next week, too. If they start 0-3, um, he might need to be faxing his resume to Tuscaloosa for the uh, rehab clinic that Nick's running down there. Because, holy cow, man, uh, they will they will straight fire him uh, for that. I don't know that um, they allow people with that much hair gel in Tuscaloosa. Yes, they yes they do. Yes, they do. I've seen some of <laughs> your former coaches. So, uh, yeah. So, but, yeah. Uh, that's I, a, Lane Kiffin. <laughs> oh, Joey Freshwater. Uh, so, uh, which we, we wish Lane well as he's recovering from COVID. Um, hey, you made $150,000 for not even being there on Monday. Speaking of weird, speaking of weird bonuses, Randy Etzel not only said he was resigning at the end of the season, but went ahead and said, no, nah, I'm going to go ahead today. And I don't know if y'all have seen it run around on the internet, but there was this point in the game when they were getting trashed last week where he's like, all right, guys, everybody on me. And nobody raised their hands and just turned around yeah. and walked on the field. I was somebody's like, hey, Randy, the team hates you. We're going to suck anyway. So just go ahead and go. It'll kick in another bonus. And so he did. And there we, we're not going to be more fun out of Randy Etzel jokes. I'm kind of I'm kind of sad about this. You know, oh, wait a minute. That, that horse is going to move every once in a while and Alan's going to beat it. <laughs> <laughs> you know me too well. Too well. Probably true. So yeah, yeah. And, and so, like, Jay, there, there, there's, there's your, there's your show clip right there. <laughs> we, uh, we will be curious to see how these things work out. We had a few interesting picks, a few against the grains, and a lot of stuff where it went chalk. So let's hope, uh, let's hope it works out. And if it does, it'll be even more fun as we get into next week, week three. I wish I could tell you it was more interesting than week two on the college side, but probably not. But at least in the NFL, we'll we'll see some we'll see a few things uh, before we get back into stuff. But I've, I'm promising we're not going to say the names right now. We have got a lightning round game that is a first for both teams next week, courtesy of Josh Hathaway. I promise y'all, you will not see this one coming when it comes down the tracks. That's all I can say. And uh, for one of the lightning round games next week, we do have we do have some other ranked games going on too. We'll get into all of those. Lens will be back. It'll be a good time as always. So, folks, you can follow the show with 
all reckless abandoned by going to thegridironbreakdown.com. It's where you find all the links to the show. If you're watching us live on YouTube, go ahead and hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell so you know when we go live. Costs you nothing, but helps us a ton. If you're watching on Facebook, like the Facebook page and you'll get notifications when we're going live. You'll see the show post for the next week of uh, when it's going to premiere as always. And uh, we'll see how it goes. As always, the card is subject to change as weird things happen. We try to lay these things out, but uh, sometimes things get changed at the at the uh, ready as we go, but we'll roll with it and see what happens. So for Lindsay, who's not here for Alan, for Brian and for Josh, who's in the lead somehow, amazingly, I'm Jay. Thank I'm you for the conduit for the glory. <laughs> Thank you for listening and watching the gridiron breakdown. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for watching and listening to the gridiron breakdown. Hours of your life have been wasted and taken from you. Give us a follow, a like, and subscribe to stay up to date with the show. Yeah, there's so much self-hate in this game. <laughs> I can't even <laughs> begin to describe. You can email the show at thegridironbreakdown at gmail.com. Here's why you're all wrong. Tune in next week for more analysis and opinions from our hosts. Guys, I usually try to go into some deep breakdown of the game, but that's apparently not really working out for me so well.